Well, welcome back. Thank you for being here tonight. And uh, just trying to update you a little bit on where we were last week and what we've talked about and where we're going. Um, last week we talked about there's lots of ways you can do a Bible study. And one of you, you can do a, a study of a book. You can study uh, a chapter in the Bible. You can study uh, a section like... Uh, in the, Sermon on the Mount, you can study a theme in the Bible, you can study a doctrine in the Bible. One of the ways that you can do a Bible study is a word study, and that's what we started last Sunday night, studying the word eternity. And I began, if you will remember, for those of you who were able to be here, I began talking about how some people, many people today actually, have a hard time accepting our temporary status in life. We talked about the fact that none of us live forever, the Bible is very clear upon that, and gave you some scriptures to look at uh, that talk about our days being numbered. And talk about uh, the brevity of life, that we are all temporary. And what did we say this word temporary means? Give me a, a good definition. Y'all gave me several last time. Limited. What else? Not permanent. And, and that's a, a description of all of our lives. We're limited. We're not permanent. We're only here for a time. And we talked about the very fact that some people have a really hard time with the concept of, uh, that we have a temporary life, that we're not, uh, that, that there's an end to us, and that we're temporary, that we're not permanent. And I, I gave you lots of examples of that, some crazy things going on nowadays where people really believe that you can live or we will be able to live forever, that we're going to be able to cheat death. And we looked at lots of stories about that. And some of, somebody asked me the question, uh, about um, Jerome Irving Rodell. You remember Jerome? Uh, somebody asked me how old was he when he died. For those of you who weren't here, like my wife was at a funeral last week, let me t- I'm not going to tell you the whole story of Jerome, except basically he was a health nut. Back in the 70s, he was convinced that he was going to live forever. Or no, he's going to live to be 100. And this was before living to be 100 was as commonplace as it is today. And uh, he was a health food nut. He was going to live to be 100. He was on the Dick Cavett show and promoting his health food and all that kind of thing. And, and once again said, I've never felt better. I've never felt better in my life. And I plan to, to be 100. And on that show, a short time later, Dick Cavett looked over while he was interviewing a different guest. And he noticed that Jerome's head was down. And he said, Jerome, are we boring you? And when they checked him, he was dead. The man who almost arrogantly, continually said, I plan to live to be 100, died on that TV show. And by the way, that show was never aired because of that. It was said that it was locked away in Dick Cavett's vault, and it was never aired because of that. But somebody did ask the question, how old was it when he died? He was 72. And what what does the Scripture say the number of days is? 70, and if, if, if we're doing really the shortest translation, if we're really doing good, 80, right? He lived to be 72. Now, one more example of, of folks who feel like we're really going to be able to live forever. Guys, I, there's just so many of these out there that I'm not going to be able to give you a lot more of them, but I want to give you this one because I think you're going to be able to say, well, this makes sense when you, when you hear the title. How to Live Forever is the title. How to Live Forever, the science Hollywood is using to cure death. You see, this whole concept of living forever has now made its way to Hollywood. 
It's not enough in Hollywood now to look younger. Now the new thing in Hollywood is to live longer while you look younger. And hopefully to even live forever. Just read you a few paragraphs here. I have no intention of dying. This is where the article starts. I have no intention of dying, Sumner Redstone told THR in January. Redstone, now 91, has made no secret of his longevity regimen. Uh, he makes a breakfast of goji berries. You know what goji berries are? All right. So he begins with a breakfast of goji berries, green machine smoothies, and tomato juice, followed by a fish dinner and a shot of vodka for its wonderful antioxidant properties. The mogul also says he exercises 90 minutes a day. Redstone has kept his promise so far, though he, like the rest of us, can't elude the Grim Reaper forever. Then listen to what it says. Theoretically, that might change one day. As society finds itself at what feels like a tipping point. Did you hear that sentence? This author says, science is now at what they believe to be a tipping point. Theoretically, that might change one day as society finds itself at what feels like a tipping point. From master cleanses to laser pills to Restylane injections or to cite the latest craze, intravenous vitamin infusions like Myers cocktails, Angelinos that people live in Los Angeles never will find themselves at a loss for quick anti-aging fixes. But merely looking younger no longer is enough. Hollywood wants to live longer and feel younger, and to that end, a growing number of establishments at the cutting edge of science are ready to feed the new appetite for longevity. Taken to its extreme, healthcare's sunny future could, in the mind of regenerative medicine theoretician and biologist Audrey Gray, cure death entirely. I'll, I'll end with this paragraph. It's not a hypothesis. It's just obvious, insists DeGray, a Cambridge-educated Englishman who lives in Mountain View, California, who heads the Strategies for Engineered Negligible Senescence Research Foundations. Senescence is the lyrical term for the study of biological aging. And this is what he says. The human body is a machine. Like any other machine, it can be subjected to preventative maintenance that will keep it going indefinitely by removing and replacing parts just the way we do for a car. The great... Some of you, your car needs some maintenance, doesn't it? De Grey has drawn the attention of such Hollywood notables as Edward James Olmos and DJ Steve Aoki, who, who samples a De Grey lecture on his upcoming album, Neon Future. Uh, he, and he says, he ends by saying, this is not science fiction. My, my whole point in that is just to give you one more example of the fact that mankind has a hard time with this concept that we're temporary. What did, what did Satan say to Adam and Eve in the Garden of, of Eden? Yeah. You're not going to die. Think about that. You see, this stuff is as old as the Garden of Eden. These lies are as old as the Garden of Eden. You won't die. You're not going to be temporary. 
You can cure death. You can live forever. I told you in one of the stories last week, they said, the only thing we need, uh, science, we just need time and money, and science will cure death. That's what, they, that's what one of the articles said last week. If we just have enough time and money, science will cure death. So we, had, we used that as a launching point last week to this whole concept that we are temporary and God is eternal. And what we said last week is that everything about God is eternal. And we had you look up lots of scriptures. God's love is eternal, his blessings, his word He's an eternal king, his purposes, his glory, all those kind of things. Everything connected to God, everything about God, everything associated with God is eternal. Now, that brings me to our second point. If you're taking notes and you got your notes out from last week. Uh, I ended last week by saying that the only place where you can find lasting satisfaction, because, remember what this verse says? What does this verse say? Ecclesiastes 3.11. Yes, he has placed eternity in our hearts. That the eternal God has placed eternity, this desire, in our hearts. And so, the only place you're going to find lasting satisfaction for that desire that God has placed within you is with the eternal God. And yet we give ourselves to temporary pleasures, hoping to fill the void that only God can fill. All right, so that's, that's a re- rewind uh, from last week. Let's go to number two. As we're looking at this word, studying the word eternal. Here's the second thing I want you to know about this word study, the word of eternal. Eternal is used to describe, this makes sense, eternal is used to describe what God offers us. It's not only used to describe God. That's what we talked about last week, that eternal is used to describe God throughout the Bible. But it also is used to describe what God offers us. This probably will not surprise you, but I think it needs to be stated. Everything God offers us has an eternal quality to it. Let me give you a few examples. Get your Bibles ready. We're going to do another little Bible quiz, or not quiz, uh, Bible drill. But we don't have the youth here tonight, so it'll be old people against old people tonight. Okay, here we go. Bible's closed. And if you're using the electronic version, you're cheating. Yeah, you're, and you're smart. That's right. All right, Bible's closed. Ecclesiastes 12.5. Ecclesiastes 12.5. When you get it, stand up. Right here in the back. Oh, almost got you in the balcony. He got you right before. I don't have my glasses on. Is that Who is that back there? All right, thank you, Joe. There right, we are. Yes, please. Thank you. Man is going to his, what kind of home was it? Eternal home. Do not forget that one. Man is going to his eternal home. Everything offered by God has an eternal quality to it. Uh, let me give you another example. 
Bible drill, closed Bibles, Psalm 21, verse 6. Just stand up and start reading, whoever you are. Psalm 21, verse 6. Go ahead. What kind of blessings? Eternal blessings. Eternal blessings. Uh, Bible's closed. We'll just do three more, or maybe two more. Bible's closed. 2 Thessalonians 2.16. Go. 2 Thessalonians 2.16. That's in the New Testament, since we're having problems. I mean, balcony, go ahead. Thank you. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself, God our Father, who loved us by his grace... And by His grace gave us eternal encouragement. Eternal encouragement. Last one. Bible's closed. This is saved the best for last. Hebrews 9, 12. Yes, Donna. Is that nine fifteen? That's that's a good that's a good one though. All right, same same concept. Eternal redemption, eternal eternal inheritance. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But it's interesting to me that the very first time that you see in the Bible or in the New Testament, I should say, the word eternal is in Matthew chapter nineteen verse six. Matthew chapter 19, um, verse 16, rather. In Matthew 19, verse 16, the man comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He recognized, as he watched Jesus and listened to Jesus, he recognized that whatever Jesus was offering had an eternal quality to it. So he said, teacher, what must I do, uh, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? But this man had the mistaken idea that eternal life is something that you can obtain by your own good deeds. Now, I've tried to draw this for you. I drew this last week. Uh, uh, We need a much larger board than this. In fact, you can't even capture it on on any kind of a drawing. But try to draw for you the gulf between the temporary and the eternal. Here's a temporary man saying, what must I do? Look at my board. What must I do, temporary... What must I do to obtain eternal life? Now, in his mind, if he did enough good deeds, he could somehow go from temporary to eternal. If he was a good enough person, if he knew enough about the Bible or about God, if he, if he went through the right rituals and said the right things and maybe got baptized, in his mind, he thought it's possible for temporary man to somehow do something to obtain the eternal. So he said, what good thing? 
Notice that phrase. What good thing can I do to get eternal life? Ladies and gentlemen, eternal life is not something that temporary man can obtain by his or her own efforts. It's an impossibility. So I hope this little diagram somehow helps you to understand that. It's an impossibility for we who are temporary to obtain the eternal at least on our own. Because we're temporary. Eternal God. Somebody get, this is Sunday night, we can still say amen on Sunday night. The eternal God is the only way, is the only one who can give temporary man eternal life. There's, please note the way that it comes. It comes from eternal God to temporary man. It's not temporary man trying to get to eternal God. The only way. You see, temporary man trying to get eternity by his own efforts, is, it's futile. It's, it's not going to work. The only way to obtain, to experience eternal life is if that eternal God grants you eternal life. Now that is straight out of Scripture. I want, this is not a Bible drill. Just open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 5. Verse 11 and 12. This is the testimony God has given us. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the testimony. Paul's. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And notice that verse 11, what, what it says. God has what? Given us. God has given us eternal life. Ephesians, if you're taking notes, we won't turn to it, but Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, because you're temporary. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, you're temporary. It is the gift of God. Lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. And this life is, the Bible says, it is the gift of God, and it is in what? According to 1 John, this eternal life is in what? It's in His Son. Eternal life is not found in, in the good works that you can do. It's not found in your church membership. You know that perhaps. It's not found in a religious lifestyle. Why? Because none of those things are eternal. Your church membership is not eternal. Your baptism is not eternal. Your good works are not eternal. All of those things that we rely on, uh, keeping the Ten Commandments, that's not eternal. All of those things that we rely on to get us from here to here will not work because they are not eternal. The only way to obtain that eternal life, since we are temporary people, is if, watch this, this is amazing, if eternal God gives us that eternal life. And according to 1 John, that life 
is in his son. The one who bridges the gap between eternal God and temporary man is Jesus Christ. And the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. The, the, the first John 1.14 could literally be translated. And the eternal God pitched his tent among us. Tents are temporary. The eternal God, Jesus. Well, let, let me just show you. First, uh, go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Gospel of John, chapter 1. This, this is so good. I hope that you're going to follow this and look at it carefully. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was, in, he was with God in the beginning. In other words, Jesus did not come into existence when he was born in Bethlehem. He's, he's like God. He's always, he is God. He's always existed. In fact, verse 3, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, Remember in verse 1, in the beginning, in the beginning of time, was the Word, was Jesus. Skip down to verse 14. The Word, the one who was eternal with God in the beginning. The Word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's the phrase that could be translated, and pitched his tent among ours. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, the one who, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the bridge that allows temporary man to have a relationship with eternal God. Now, let me show you another scripture. In the Gospel of John, go to chapter 5, verse 24. Chapter 5, verse 24. Chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from, he, he has crossed over from death to life. And the only way to cross over from temporary to eternal... The only way to cross over, it, it says here, he who believes in me as always will cross over from death to life. By the way, anytime you see in Scripture this phrase, that if you're writing notes down, make sure you write this down. Anytime you see in Scripture the phrase eternal life, it always is referring to salvation. Always. Anytime you see eternal life, it always refers to salvation. Salvation means that you have been made right with God for all eternity. By the, that, by the way, that, that's why one of the reasons I believe in the eternal security of the believer. Or as Baptists sometimes say, once saved, always saved. Titus 
Let me show you something. Titus 1, 2. A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. Now, I've got a question for you. Let me get down close to you. I've got a question for you. If eternal life can be lost, is it eternal? No. You see, for me, that's the whole argument right there. Folks who say, well, I believe you can be saved and then lose it. Really? Really? Think about it. Eternal God is going to give you, temporary man, eternal life. And you believe that you can lose that. In my reasoning, it is either eternal or it's not. And if God calls it eternal life, I believe God knows what he's talking about. If eternal God says, I'm going to give you eternal life, and then we lost it, it would be temporary life. So I believe once saved, always saved. Of course, the the big issue there is, have you ever been saved to begin with? That's the real issue. Uh, Now, so there's three ways the word eternal is used. We've talked about two of them so far. The first way that the word eternal is used as we're doing this word study, it's used to describe God. The second way that this word is used in the Bible is used to describe what God offers. That's what we've just talked about. Because he is eternal, he's the one qualified to offer eternal life. There's a third way that this word eternal is used in the Bible, and that's what we want to study now. The third way that the word eternal is used in the Bible is this. It's uh, used to describe what happens to those who refuse God's offer and God's love. That word eternal is used in the Bible to refer to those who refuse God's offer of salvation. Uh, Go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, and you'll see the third use of this word eternal. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. Then they will go away to eternal, what? Punishment. But the righteous to eternal, what? Life. Right there is one verse that shows you both ways that that verse is used. Eternal life, referring to salvation, and always referring to salvation, and only to salvation. But the word eternal is used in the Bible in a third way, and that is to refer to the eternal punishment of those who refuse and reject God. Those who refuse and reject God do not experience eternal life. They experience eternal punishment. Let me just be as blunt as I can be. Hell is real. Not a lot of people want to talk about hell in this day and time. And I don't want to to try to say some things about it that that would be taken out of context. But, But you do need to understand that as surely as there is eternal life, there is eternal punishment. You're not going to be in purgatory. 
there is no purgatory. You're not going to be there for a while and somehow talk your way out or earn your way out. You're not going to be in hell and and then God's going to feel sorry for you and remove you. You're not going to be in hell and then come back in some other form, some other life form and try to do it right the next time. The Bible refers to the word eternal to refer to God, to eternal to refer to what God offers, but it also is used to refer to those, what we experience if we reject this eternal God. Cartoonist Johnny Hart, I don't know if you watch or read the BC comic strips, uh, he frequently includes a Christian perspective in his comic strips. And uh, on this particular comic strip, he had one of the characters call into question an obituary that ended with, to be continued. But that's true. Death is no mean, by, by no means the end. Because there is either eternal life after death or there is eternal punishment. Death is not the end. See, we are temporary. We talked about that. There will be a day when we die. Every one of us. There's no question about that unless the Lord comes back first. Because we are temporary, the Bible, we looked at it last week, the scriptures that indicate that we're here for a while, we're just a vapor, and then we're gone. We're temporary. We're going to die. And the question is, then what happens when you step into eternity? Because it will be either eternal life or eternal death, eternal punishment. I don't know if you're an ESPN fan like I am. I, there's very few channels I watch on my TV, but ESPN is one of them. And one of the commentators on ESPN, very popular commentator, uh, announcer, died uh, a little over a week ago, his name was Stuart Scott. If you're a sports fan at all, you, you know about Stuart Scott. And it's been amazing to see how much support was uh, publicly displayed uh, after he died. Uh, football games had a, NFL games had moments of silence. NBA games had a moment of silence. Uh, commentators all over the TV, all over ESPN, of course, but in other venues as well, talking about Stuart Scott and what a great man he was. I'm on Twitter, and I read lots of things on Twitter. One of Stuart Scott's friends tweeted something about Stuart Scott. Lots of people tweeted things about Stuart Scott, and rest in peace, Stuart Scott, and all that kind of thing. But this particular guy caught my attention. He had lots of tweets, but, but here's what, what he tweeted, what he sent out over social media. He said, R.I.P., which means rest in peace, R.I.P., Stuart Scott, wherever you are. That just, that just kind of grabbed my heart. It's like, rest in peace wherever you are. Truth of the matter is, you will only rest in peace if you are with the eternal God. And the other thing that I want to say is this. You don't want your family and friends saying wherever you are. When you take your last breath, you want to make sure that you know and you want to make sure that your family and friends know 
that you have laid aside this temporary body and you have gone to be with eternal God. I just got all kinds of scriptures coming to my mind. I haven't planned these. Let, let, let me find it. I think it's 2 Corinthians 15. 2 Corinthians 15, I believe it is. No, maybe 1 Corinthians 15. Um, First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Flesh and blood, because you're temporary, cannot inherit the kingdom of God because that's eternal. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. He's talking to Christians. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. That is, Eternal, and we will be changed for the perishable, the temporary, you could say, must clothe itself with the imperishable, the eternal, and the mortal, the temporary, with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. One more, if I can find it. Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in, again, talking about the temporariness of our bodies. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Can somebody say amen to that? Isn't that good? We know that if this temporary house we live in, this tent, is destroyed. We who know Christ have an eternal home in heaven. I'm going to stop there because there's so many other things I could talk about, but here, here's the point I want you to make, or want you to understand. The third way that the Bible uses the word eternal is to describe what happens to those who refuse God's offer of love and forgiveness. When you die... Your life will be continued. It will be continued in eternity. Will it be eternal life or will it be eternal punishment? Here's the irony and the tragedy of it all. Those who, re who reject God are choosing temporary pleasures and forfeiting eternal blessings. 
those who refuse and reject God are, are choosing the temporary pleasures of sin over the eternal blessings of God. I want to close by asking you to read with me John chapter 5, verse 24 again. John chapter 5, verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24 says this. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has. Notice this is present tense. Not will have. Not one day will get. Not one day will receive. That's not what he says. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me believes him who sent me is the eternal God. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. H.L. Hunt is a name some of you may know. He made millions of dollars in Texas as an oil man. He was well known in his day. He was an aggressive oil man. He was known for his wheeling and dealing. He had little regard for people around him, and he was was kind of a make-it-happen kind of a guy, type A-driven personality. His chief confidant said that he was just as apt to call you in the middle of the night as in the middle of the day, that whenever he was thinking about something, he got it done, and it didn't matter what time of day or night it was, and if he needed you, he called you whenever, regardless of the time or day. Uh, one night, H.L. Hunt called his assistant at 2 a.m. He said, John, I just made the greatest trade of my life. He said, I traded the here for the hereafter. And that was the night H.L. Hunt became a Christian. This is the night you could make the greatest deal of your life. This is the night you could trade the here for the hereafter. This is the night that you could trade the temporary for the eternal. But you will never experience eternal life by you, temporary man, trying to work your way up to God. You can never cross over. Only Jesus enables you to receive from God the gift of eternal life. Only and et- Listen, if you don't hear anything else tonight, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Only an eternal God can offer you eternal life. And it is a gift that you receive. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. And it might be that on a Sunday night like this, somebody here tonight, Pastor Keith, I've never done that. I've never really received eternal life from Jesus Christ. I've never really received forgiveness of sin. I've always saw it as something that you kind of work my way up and do the best I can and by my own effort I'm going to get better and do better and be better and but tonight you recognize that man that's just temporary stuff and that temporary stuff is never going to be eternal there's nothing eternal about it it's only when you by faith put your your faith in the eternal God who loved you enough to send Jesus Christ to die for you so that he could offer you eternal life.
So you can pray with me right now. And you can ask Jesus to give you that eternal life. Probably on a Sunday night crowd like this, maybe all of us are Christians. Maybe all of us are truly saved. But what if it was just 99%? What if there was just one person? And you've heard this tonight and you thought, you know what, I am temporary. And everything that I've tried to be right with God, it's temporary too. And the only way I'm going to experience eternal life is if eternal God gives it to me. What if there's just one tonight and you need to receive that eternal life? Pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it from your heart. Mean what you say. And you're not saying it to me. You're saying it to God. Dear God, I'm a temporary person. And I know one day I'm heading for an eternal punishment because I'm a sinner. And God, I ask you now, because Christ died on the cross for me, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me. I repent of my sin. And tonight I place my faith in Jesus. I believe the eternal Son of God died in my place on the cross. And I believe he was raised from the dead. I surrender my life to you and I ask you to be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you for the gift that you've given me tonight of eternal life. I praise you and I will now live for you. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye still closed. If you prayed that prayer tonight and you, you are willing to let me know, all you have to do, all you have to do is just raise your hand. Just slide it up real quickly. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to run back there. But I'm going to know, hey, that's somebody I want to pray for. Maybe I'll call you or you can call me. Just raise your hand. Anybody? Raise your hand. Lord, we love you. Thank you that the eternal God gives us eternal life. In his name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you, folks.